Good morning. Hello and welcome to the Profit Lab podcast. Hope you like the energetic music we play every time. I am your host, Marie Tarosian. I am a CFO, an auditor, a certified public accountant, and a chartered global management accountant. I serve the entrepreneurial community and business owners through my CPA firm, Marie Tarosian CPA, and through my management consulting company, The Profit Lab. The Profit Lab podcast serves to expand our mission to empower entrepreneurs by bringing their stories to the masses. We are thrilled to tell your, your story to inspire, empower, and uplift other entrepreneurs. So please check out our website, uh, www.theprofitlab.biz slash podcast. Um, we launched the podcast on August 2nd, where I spoke about my entrepreneurial journey and I shared some of the valuable takeaways from my uh, experience so far. Um, so we plan to uh, feature entrepreneurs from all walks of life to show um, uh, every week. Uh, so if you want to be a guest on my show, please go ahead and uh, send the request in at uh, support at theprofitlab.biz. Uh, today, September 27th, is our ninth episode, and we are live on Facebook at The Profit Lab Biz. Uh, we are also live on LinkedIn, Marie Teresian CPA CGMA, and on my YouTube channel, Marie Teresian CPA. Make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and share this content so that other entrepreneurs can be inspired and empowered. Uh, today, my guest is uh, Michael Verrett. Verrett? Uh, founder of Verit and Associates. Uh, he's a 25-year veteran in brand marketing business, and his hallmark is his ability to understand audience. Uh, now he shows businesses how to talk about themselves to their audience. And with that, Michael, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited Marie, you're here. Marie, I am tickled silly to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing excellent. How about you? It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. I think it's all the way back towards like December when we first started talking. Um, things True. have been, you know, a journey. Just like uh, any entrepreneur, I'm sure they've got their ups and downs. But I, yes. uh, I've been enjoying every step of the way. Yes, yes, yes. Entrepreneur journey is is definitely a bumpy road, and and one of the things I always, uh, you know, say when I'm talking or when I'm creating content is that, you know, people talk about you know having this four day weeks and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't know who's doing that because <laughs> there's no entrepreneur journey, especially the first five to ten years that you're just having a four day week and you're just you know having a three day weekend. I'm like, I actually work every, every single day. At different capacity and i'm sure that's that's how you feel too well maybe we're just not doing it right you know uh maybe it's a maybe it's a younger maybe generation thing well maybe it's a younger generation thing where they figured it out like think about this when i was a kid if the uh video cassette recorder got unplugged or something and the time started flashing 12 every single time my parents would ask me how do you do this how do you do this like, you don't understand this maybe we just don't understand how they're thinking about it they figured out the right solution we're just stuck in our ways and can't adapt is the problem <laughs> maybe maybe that is i i feel like i'm a little bit of a uh, you know maybe a little bit of a workaholic too but i i feel like in the early stages it does take a little bit more of a um the build out right it takes a lot of effort time and commitment to build out to what you want it to be and then be able to plug in the people that can 
build it to the next level. And then you can kind of just yeah. stay on the, on the oversight level. You can take those extra times. <laughs> so well, just I, starting out, it's hard, think, right? Yeah. Well, I think entrepreneurs put um, a timeline on themselves. Like take the simple idea of burn rate and yes. the ability for a business to stay in business to a certain amount of time. I think, um, that's the kind of stuff that early on in the journey people are paying a lot of attention to but i think to get to that four days a week requires having everything working the way that you saw it like your vision is four right. days a week but right that doesn't mean that out of the gates it's four days a week necessarily you kind of build to it right exactly exactly it's the vision it's where you want to get to you're right yeah that's absolutely it so that's awesome awesome well, let's really start the podcast, should we? We want to get to know Mike Barrett. <laughs> oh, boy. So I always start my questions, uh, you know, when I'm interviewing guests, is like, you know, we really want to know Mike, you know, the person, you know. So Mike Barrett, who is Mike Barrett, the person, not just the business owner, just the person, you know, your values, anything you want to tell us about you, the person? I am... Uh... 49 years old and realized at the age of 45 what uh, some people will call it life work-life balance. I explain uh -huh. work-life integration, yes. um, how the two work together. Balance to me means you're always trying to find the right, you know, fulcrum point. Right, right. Whereas something like how they work together is what I felt was always missing. Um, sure. I, you know, my background is in marketing, advertising, and, and brands brand management, but really what I always was good at was communicating with people. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what I was, I could talk, I could write and mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't do numbers. I couldn't, I could never be a coder, you know, like that's not right. the kind of person I was, but from a, who is me perspective, I spend most of my days sitting in a cellar of a house that was built in 1850 in this chair, talking to businesses but my politics religion and everything else is my wife and two kids upstairs and that's where we spend most of our time so yeah. i have a daughter who just started uh just started university her freshman year awesome Congrats. And a son thank you <clears throat> excuse me and a son who just started freshman year in high school and awesome. in doing what i do now sort of part of my entrepreneurial journey was that sort of point of realization that it's all work and i'm not i'm not myself when i'm at home um right. work is work is a role we all play there's no business without show business but it's <laughs> not who we really are right. and i think <clears throat> i think where my outlook on things changed and it was almost the quality of life that integration of work and life was after right. I got out of the 25 years in the agency and corporate world and I could take a breath and yeah. went back and think about all right I'm 45 now what do I want to do that I can leverage what I'm good at but I can do what I want like I can be happy across the board not miserable right. at work and try to put on a happy face at home knowing right. I have to go back there for instance right. um so a lot of that you know my my uh my hobbies range from bike riding the sneaker collecting i have 150 <laughs> pairs of sneakers um <laughs> which is certainly a problem um but what i what i love about what i've created for myself is it lets me be me and lets me do what right, i'm good right. at and think the way that i think and i think that's been the biggest realization in the past five years for me is the 
integration of life and work that I could realize it's a grind. It's I work a lot doing what I do, but it just feels better. Right. You had found that integration. That That's a key point you said, because I, I feel like I had to go through that last year. So or at least I, I started that journey last year where I was like, yeah, I had started a business, but I still was struggling between what I want to do, what I'm good at and what I like to do. <laughs> kind of still in between. And then finally, and still finding myself too, where, you know, I still want to be a great mom, a great wife, you know, um, two kids. And my kids are yeah. very little. Actually, I have a, a very, very little kids. Um, and, and you're right. You have to find an integration, not a balance, because then you're it's like giving up something over the other. Uh, you do want to find that integration. And I've, I think I finally I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Well, I think I think of the idea of balance like a tightrope walker at the circus. Right. Where they're using that pole to always stay on balance, but they're always twitching and moving to do it. Right. It's they're not <laughs> integration is sort of how two things work and live together. Right. That's what I I realized I want to achieve. Not this awkward balance of okay, I gotta go back to the office and then I gotta come home and be dad or husband or friend or son. Yes. There was it was always just sort of like trying to change into somebody else. And that was yeah. the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I understood. Yeah. For me, it was, uh, I, I actually went to a, um, a leadership training on a ranch in Austin and that was mm. where things kind of like realigned yeah. or a reset button was set for me where, you know, the leadership coach at the time is like over there and I still connect with her and she's hopefully going to be on my podcast one of these days. <laughs> I am excited. So, um, you know, and and that was a uh, where things were like for me was that alignment, you know, started and the journey started. So it was great. It's just being you is is very important because that's yeah. I feel it also builds your entrepreneurial confidence, too, because you know what you know. And then when you're already uh, integrating to yourself and projecting yourself the way you are, whether it's the dress, the, the style, whatever it is. Like when you said that you have 150 pairs of uh, sneakers, I'm like, it's wow. But at the same time, I'm like, I get it. I like, I, I know your style is very like down, down to earth. You know, you like the cat. That's your style. That's even in your bio, your pictures, everything. So everywhere, that's your brand. That's who you are. So I get it. Uh, so which is what I'm trying to work on too. I've been wearing cowboy boots for the last, I don't know, year <laughs> since I came back from Austin. <laughs> In the middle of you Miami, taken them off. for example, <laughs> it's not part of my style. It's just apparently I kind of it's part of me. Um, yeah. So, you know, it just uh, becomes, uh, you know, who you are. It's part of your brand. You know, it's just uh, yeah. and I have to say those boots have made a lot of conversations for me. <laughs> Good. As well, they should. <laughs> I, um, I look at everything. I look at everything as an opportunity to sort of a first impression handshake that state what you stand like kind of show what your brand is right and everything from my holding picture on zoom, which is the same as my picture on LinkedIn and everywhere else, yes. all the way down to what people see when I'm in front of this camera. I always have a dark top on. I have a hat with my logo on it. My logo's right here. The chair matches yes. the logo. That's all done <laughs> with other intent. Things, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like all of that is part of what people see and hear and take away becomes a, a point of consistency. And that's how I look at it. That's amazing. That's that you just gave us really, really cool pointers. I'm like, 
I've been changing my background a little bit, but this little thing here has been staying at this stable. <laughs> to get people to ask what it means. Too, you know? Yes, because it has been part of my transformation and journey as well. So, um, well, and you can yeah. imagine one of the questions I get asked a lot is what does the butterfly mean? But the only reason they're asking is because it's right there. You know, right. it's part of what they're always experiencing. And eventually they ask. <laughs> so what is it? Uh, perspective. <laughs> perspective. So perspective. businesses imagine caterpillars in the grass just trying to find the tree to climb the leaves to eat to make a cocoon to become a butterfly uh -huh. if i already have the eyes on what that looks like because i am a butterfly i'm up in the air and you're stuck in the ground i could see more clearly and that's generally speaking that perspective and clarity is what my business is built around yes yes i get i totally get it now yes yes i love that i love that so you kind of already touched on some of how you got motivated to start your entrepreneurial journey. So what are some of the biggest impacts you've had, whether on that journey or throughout life that has made you who you are as a person? Um, entrepreneur. From Well, the way I would answer that is this. I, over my 25 years, I was always working and I had a job somewhere, like whether it was a marketing firm or an ad agency or doing, you know, promos and events um, for clients or eventually even just TV advertising. All of that was what I did. Mm -hmm. And I was good at it. Too. I was an account, account executive, like account service. And they're always looked at as passing notes back and forth between the client and creative show them this tell us what the feedback is but i could speak client i could speak creative i could speak media i could speak production if i were on set i could fit right in reason right. being i always understood my audience and how to communicate on their level and that's what what i didn't realize it for those 25 years but that's what i was good at now again i couldn't see it that's not how i was <laughs> thinking about it i just happened to be good at it what occurred was I was hired by my client, Hasbro Toys in Rhode Island. I'm in Rhode Island. Hasbro Toys is in Rhode Island. So I went from this world of the ad agency where it's 5% matters of what Hasbro is doing. We're making kids' dreams come true with, you know, Optimus Prime from Transformers and Iron Man and <laughs> Star Wars. Like kids see it as this fantasy world, okay? And that's right. what we needed to represent. Then they hired me. And now I'm exposed to the other 95%. And what I saw was, this is for seven years I worked at Hasbro as an employee. What I saw was it's highly political. What have you done for me lately? And a bunch of MBA grads who would climb over your corpse to move ahead in the corporate world. It was wow. very type A and getting to the top was sort of the attitude of it combined with the complexities of running a fortune 500 manufacturing company because that's ultimately what it was they made products right it was a world i didn't understand and i didn't like it it just wasn't who i was but i learned so much from the experience right like everything i had to do it was like a practical application for how to get your business degree i took a lot away but my time there was just rife with being unhappy and just felt like I was mm -hmm. not in the right place. I'm looking yes. at everybody around me using a different language than I even understood. <laughs> I, you know, acronyms, business terms that I wasn't familiar with yet. 
And initially I was just on global brand marketing for transformers. So that was what I was good at, what I understood. But again, that political and sort of, you know, get ahead culture yeah. was there. Then they moved me on to the Jurassic World product line. And this is when mm. we were we were a licensee of the filmmaker and we were just making the dinosaurs, the plastic dinosaurs in boxes to put on the shelf at Walmart. That was, we didn't own the brand. We just made the toys. Understood. I did not like that at all. That was a sterile <laughs> process. We could have been making toothbrushes or trash bin liners. It just didn't oh, suit wow. me at all, but I could right. see everybody else excelling in it. They moved me to Hasbro Games and immediately realized that I was not good at making the products, but I was really good at going out and talking to our stakeholders about them. So a stakeholder being the, the regional marketing and sales teams all the mm. way to the buyers of the products at a retailer. I was the person they put in front of them. Reason being, <laughs> I could understand who they are and how they think, almost their personality type and cater my delivery, like the tone and attitude to that right. person. And to give you an example of that, they'd send me to the European Toy Fair. So it's a industry show, invite only into the different spaces. It's not a fan show. And when people came to the Hasbro Games area in our whole statement, I was who they talked to and who brought them through. So every country in Europe would be there with their salesperson and their, they'd bring their buyer through. In two to three second increments, I'd have to recognize the salesperson, remember what country they're from, and have a basic understanding of that culturally, the United, right. Ar United Arab Emirates is very different from Italy, is very different from Poland. I'm absorbing right. all of that. Right. Because the way I see it is if they're looking at me with a blank stare, I didn't do my job. Right. So I need to communicate right. on their level. So right. that's what I did for three years. They'd send me to places like Hong Kong and Mumbai and Brazil Amazing. to meet with buyers and teams and talk about Hasbro games. That was, <clears throat> excuse me, that was about 35% of my job. The other 65%, I was still in the office and still not happy. In fall of 18 was like the seminal pivotal catalyst, let's call it. The moment was getting let go. Hmm. there was a workforce reduction because the stock was down. They let 10% go. And right. what they do is bring in younger, cheaper talent. Mm -hmm. I'd seen it happen a bunch of times. And I happened to be the first person called in games. I hugged the VP. She's like, what the hell are you doing? I said, this, you, you don't understand. <laughs> it's like I got released from prison. Early. That's how I felt. But... <laughs> The magic of it all was the fact that they said, we're going to give you severance with it. Yeah. Everybody got a severance package. Of course. And I could breathe for the first time in 25 years. I could actually right. think about that 25 years for the right. first time in 25 years. And in that working part, I got married. I had a kid. We bought a condo. We moved. We had another kid. Life happened, right? Wow. Now I can just stop and look at it all, almost like an out-of-body experience. And that's when it occurred to me that the, the red thread through my career, I've done everything on the marketing spectrum from concepting a new item to writing and right. acting in the TV commercial. I've had to do it, but amazing. the one commonality or red thread was my understanding of an audience and how to connect with them, communicate in the order of information they need to hear to get them to act is what I was good at. So that's when I decided instead of going and getting another job at a brand or an agency, I was going to try something on my own. Do I have regrets on how I started it up? Of course. 
I didn't know what I was doing, but this general idea of showing companies 100% of what's important to the company, only 5% matters to the outside world, to their audience. It's exactly what I saw in my ad years and exactly what I experienced when I worked at Hasbro was the 100%, but it clouds businesses. They think differently than a human being audience. They talk differently. They use words like synergize and ideate and KPI. That's not how humans think. And it's not how they process information. So what I focus on is how people process information. And it's very simple to understand. For 60,000 years, we have understood storytelling, a narrative. What happens? Then what happens? What happens next? Oh, what comes after that? Right, is right, how right, right. we think. That's Staying how we process our information. We want the next information, right? The storytelling, yes. Yeah, and you can use an FAQ page for a well-written FAQ page for a website understands this because it starts with the most general question and goes to the most specific question that the audience would have. Mm-hmm. Not alphabetical, not specific general, specific general. It's because they're going to want to understand deeper and deeper with more specificity, more detail. That's how we think. And that's what's lost when it comes to business. Wow, that's so impressive. They think of everything, you know, the term SaaS. Are you familiar with the term SaaS? The, say that again. Are you familiar with the term or the acronym SaaS, S-A-A-S? S-A-A-S, yes, yes. Software, Software as a service. Search. Okay. Yes. The genesis of the four letters together, SaaS, is simply an abbreviation for email within the company building the software. So they don't have to type out software as a service. (laughs) Imagine what happens when all of these companies are going out and on their website saying, we're a SaaS company. What happens if I don't know what SaaS means, (laughs) but I know I need a piece of software or technology to make my life easier and make my business run better. I don't, I skip right over it. Because the business is thinking that way doesn't mean I'm thinking that way. And that's the important difference. There's no business without show business. We're always playing a role. There's scripts, directors, producers, props. (laughs) But people don't change the way they process information. We're human beings. It just works in one way. Mm. So what I do is effectively, I play the role of chief perspective officer for companies. Chief perspective officer. Yes. So think of it as a position that every C-suite should have, but it's not an internal employee. It's not a stakeholder. It's someone on the outside whose job is to keep an eye on the audience, understand them, clarify how you're communicating with them, and get that communication to them the right way. And it all stems from one thing, one pitch, if you will. Your, your your networking pitch, we'll use that as an example, like an elevator pitch. Right. What that represents to someone in networking is I'm going to say what I do and meet people. But what you don't realize is that same message should be what's on your homepage, what your sales presentation is based on, and your LinkedIn profile. Mm. Because it's based on an order of information, a connection point. Going through that order, like imagine reading the pages of a book in the right order people will understand it better and getting them to act on their terms. It's all about the perception of the audience. What they see and what they cling on to is you have to be one of three things. First, best, or different. That's what it boils down to. 
That's the first time I saw that. That's the best pizza I've ever had. First and best, tough to come by, but people remember them. Different is the other one that every business can do. And it's simple. It's simply understanding that it's not different, like dress like a clown and hold a sign on the street. Right, right, right. (laughs) It's different in the audience's mind as they're searching for your service. So what that looks like stands out. Let's say, let's say you need a plumber and you go on Google and search for a plumber. The first three results you look at say, yep, we're a plumber phone number. We're a plumber. Call us now. The fourth one says, water's on the floor don't call us click this red button and we will be there in 10 minutes right that plumber knows is speaking to why you need a plumber why you came home there's water on the floor you drop everything water doesn't wait if it's a light bulb or a shingle do it on saturday but not water right if there's water outside of that system you panic of course plumber knows that and is speaking to your motivation it looks totally different to you when you're searching. absolutely it's 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 grabbing attention right away right away right away that connection point is imperative yeah so that's what i focus on is that how you connect how you direct them through the information the right way and how you project the right tone or attitude doing it are what my work focuses that's amazing. You've given us so many golden nuggets. So many, so many. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. So I know you've given us a little bit more of what, what, how you got impacted from the, the, you know, being, you know, let go from a corporate world and then transitioning into your work. Um, so are you working with all kinds of businesses or does it, you know, do you work with specific executives and in specific industries or is it just general? Um, I wouldn't say it's general, but I would say that the net can be cast pretty wide. And here's why. What I do is foundational for businesses. It's, um, if they've got a reservoir and a dam and the outflow coming from the dam, my job is to build the dam. And that becomes the foundation for how they communicate what their, what their message is. Think of it that way. Right, right. Once that's established, what they're seeing is a hell of a lot more clarity, but what they're experiencing is more people paying attention. And the reason is simple. If you hear the same thing all the time and then all of a sudden you hear something different, your ears perk up, no matter what you're yes. doing. <laughs> and mo- yes, and most audiences get into this idea of, let's say I'm in public relations and I come into a networking call that you're on and I say, hi, I'm Mike and I own a PR firm. And I start talking about what we do. All you're going to remember is Mike PR firm. That's all, that's how our minds work. We hold on to little pieces, but more importantly, you might know a Jim PR firm, a Joe PR firm, and a Susie PR firm. I'm saying the exact same thing as them. I have a PR firm, but the dynamic changes considerably. If I say I make news when it matters, because now the people that I'm talking to are like, what do you mean you make news when it matters? Am I a journalist? Am I in PR? I could right. be on the celebrity in the gossip column, but I've they got want to hear more. <laughs> exactly. And all I'm trying to do is get them to say, tell me more in some way. Like, what do you yes. mean? That's interesting. Yes. Explain yourself so I can relate to my audience and their challenge is the next thing I want to focus on. Because if I can explain the idea that businesses can't write their own news, imagine trying to write about yourself in flowing terms. You can I know. Be That's very but- difficult. It's hard and you need somebody to see it from the outside. Businesses are no different. They get writer's block when they're trying to find the words to write their own news. So how do you help them? 
Now I'm telling them my solution in a sentence. I find the words they can't to make sure their right. news has the impact it has to have for their business. Now, right. if the first three things on my website say, make news when it matters, you've got writer's block, we'll find the words. They're gonna keep scrolling because I've right. got their attention aligned to their challenge and showed them a solution, not all my services. I showed right. them- You don't wanna confuse them with so many things. Yes, exactly. And I've related to them on their terms. So from right. there, if I can establish a process for how we work together, like three steps, discover your news, design it and deploy it. They see what it looks like to work with me from beginning to end. Then when I introduce my services, it's in the context of those three steps in the process. And they see services as what's gonna happen in the process. Mm -hmm. I show them the benefits of working with me. I show them case studies or testimonials to validate it. Right. And I give them that call. What do you want me to do next? Like, here's my card or schedule time or whatever. I have built that based on how people are asking questions and the mm -hmm. order they would ask them. So my process is based on this one-sided. So what do you do? Huh, what? That's interesting. What do you mean by that? Oh, okay. So how do you help them? Well, how does that work? And what do they get in that process? How are they better off? Can yeah. you prove it works? Have you done this with anybody else? You know what? Yeah, I'll take your card. Let's schedule a meeting. That's what right. anybody would That's do to extract <laughs> that information. But right. the business thinks it's services first. The business thinks it's our mission first. If someone wrote a book and they're not an author, but they wrote a book about what they do, for instance, they've got that first on their website because that's a passion that they want to share. Right. But unless you're yes. Danielle Steele or Stephen King, I don't care. Right. I need right. to understand what you do and how you can help me. The book is actually a validation of that or a call to action. That's right. not how the business is thinking. My job is to think that way for them. That makes total sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, before we go to, before I ask you the next set of questions, I just want to make sure that I read some of the information we have there for our listeners because they won't be able to see the banners down there. So guys, you can schedule a, your complimentary 30-minute consultation with Michael by going to his Calendly calendar. So it's Calendly. Actually, Marie, you can just go to my website and click the green button. That's even easier. Oh, okay. So it's on the website too. Okay. So then yes. I'll just see the website, uh, www.veretandassociates.com. So I'm going to spell one by one, V-E-R-R-E-T-A-N-D-A-S-S-O-C-I-A-T-E-S.com. So veretandassociates.com. And then you'll be able to schedule your complimentary 30-minute session with Michael you should do this. I recommend you do this ASAP. So with that, <laughs> all right. so a couple more questions before we kind of like uh, um, wrap up. And then, um, so during uh, your uh, entrepreneurial, you know, build out the past five years and since 2018, you know, so, so what are some of the challenges you, you faced um, and how did you overcome them? The first challenge was, uh, well, I'll speak to a business challenge and then an environmental challenge. That sure. Everybody <laughs> but the yeah, business challenge, yeah, any challenge for sure. The business challenge was trying to figure out what works for me, my business. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was I was very susceptible to the you should. You should try this. You should do this. You should do that. Oh, too many. <laughs> 
a lot of inputs, right? So all of a sudden I find myself, I need to post, I need to send emails, I need to do this, I need to do that, right, and all right, these right, different right. things. And I'm not doing any of them well. And moreover, it was reactionary. It was what other people right, were telling me to do. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you a great example of this and how I tried to use it to formulate what I do. I landed on three things that I focus on. But one real the the whole realism came into, okay, I'm gonna use LinkedIn for content and communication. It's a 24 seven networking event. And if I can provide compelling content of value and I could meet people and create discussions, I could get them on camera, my free 30 minute advisory, you know, like that's, that's right, 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 right. what I wanted to set out to do. Second was networking. If mm. I could stand out in a group of 40 people, people remember right. three people from networking groups. They don't remember all of them. Right. They you remember can't remember three. everybody. Of course not. Right. If I could be one of those three, I get another opportunity to get somebody on camera. Absolutely. And I know that when I'm talking to someone, I can quickly give them insights about their business and their audience. And that that sort of gets to a second call. So that was my mission. The third thing, and this was the last you should I cut out of it, was <laughs> you should start a live stream or a podcast. Yes. And this was in August of 2020. So everybody was trying to figure out what to do to replace the fact that you can't go places, right? It was the right. was COVID. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, you know what? So-and-so, I can't remember who brought it up that time, but I had heard it a few times. I'm going to do it. And I ordered a microphone and I started planning everything. And then I had canceled on the order for the microphone because mm -hmm. I realized something, two things important. One, this is self-realization. I'm not going to stick with it. I am mm -hmm. going to drive myself nuts with the production of it. But two, I have to generate an audience for myself in that capacity. Yes. But what if, yeah. what if I could just be a guest on other people's programs? I'm meeting oh, new yes, audiences every time. Yes. <laughs> and I don't have the production responsibilities, but it right. achieves my goal of amplifying what I do to new audiences. Right. So now I focus on LinkedIn, networking, however that comes together. Absolutely. And that appearances part, those three things work together to help me do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. If I yeah. try to add more than three, though, that's where it gets messy. Right, right. It, it, it is a juggling act. There, there, and, and you're right. All of us go through uh, the struggles in the beginning. I know I, when I was trying to do things on between LinkedIn, Facebook, and this was 2018, 2019. I still didn't know anything about any marketing, social media or anything else. Just, I knew I had to post something, you know, I, and yeah. I, uh, I was just posting random stuff. It didn't speak to nobody because I didn't know what to say. Really. I just right. knew I had to be online. I just had to show my face somewhere. It's <laughs> so, like a to-do list. Oh, you know, I have to, to post, I have to do this. Yeah. I have to, have a I have to create, yeah. I have to create. And, and I didn't even know what to do, what to create, but I just, you know, created something and I posted something and I'm like, oh, nothing's happening, you know, but yeah, because I didn't realize that, like you said, I'm not talking to really anybody because I didn't know my audience. I don't know who I'm selling to. Yeah. Uh, and it was very, very difficult. Um, and and then you're right. And everybody's trying to tell you, no, you should do this. You should do automations. You should do it. And then I know at some point you have to add that, but then you get all overwhelmed about when, it's about when to add that next level and when yeah. to add the next level. I think it's so crazy. So yeah, you're right. It's good that the sooner you catch up on, okay, I'm going to do these three things the next 90 days, 
once these are established, I'm going to add the next three things the following 90 days. Then you're planning yeah. those implementations in a, in a, you know, in a, in a well, you know, systematic way. Yeah. Well, it's trying, it's trying to form consistency in what you do. Yeah. And if, if you have to do six different things all the time, it's yes. hard to find that consistency. That's the reality yes. of it. If I could focus on LinkedIn networking and guest appearances, and I right. do those three things well, I'm going to get further than if I try to do the next hottest thing that somebody told me to do. Right, right. The right. other influence was COVID and the pandemic mm. when it hit. My business was actually built around, it was more presentation training, okay, right. skills training. Right. And it was workshop style. So I was going to business. I live in Rhode Island. I was going to businesses in Boston, Providence, and New York, where I could go to and be in office. Right. And when the pandemic hit, I mean, it was off to a great start. This was the first year and a few months of my endeavor. I had a $60,000 contract lined up for eight days at a company Amazing. down in Atlanta yeah. on April 8th, and everything got put on hold. Wow. What I noticed was Zoom wasn't a thing yet when it first right. no, it was no, just it a conference call tool, right? right? And what people saw in what I did was it had to be done in person. I know damn well I could do the same thing on Zoom than in person, but they saw it as it had to be in person. If you fast forward six months, it would have been a different conversation because everybody's at home and on Zoom. Right. But at the time I needed to pivot or change or adjust what I was doing because that opportunity was now not an opportunity. Right. So that's where I said, wait a second, I'm talking about communicating to an audience in front of you, but what if they're not in front of you? It's the same principles that apply. Like public speaking obviously brings out a lot of fear in people and that, right. that's a psychological thing that we all deal with, but the message they're conveying to that audience should be able to be conveyed in a pitch or on, in an email or on a website or in a sales presentation just as effectively. So I embarked on creating what I call my elevator structure for creating a message. And this was sort of the, okay, now I've got what I need as a tool and as a product that I can introduce to people. And before it was just straight consulting, what do you have and let's mold it into something. Now I actually had a process and it's eight floors of the elevator, those questions that I told you, I put it into this yeah. format where it's like a conversation on an elevator. And I started using that with my clients as the guidepost where you go, if it's a workbook form all the way to working one-to-one, -one, it goes through how to construct your message based on that, that theory. And all the theory is, is like those questions are asked, how do people need to understand it? How do you get their attention and go in the right order? And think mm -hmm. of it like reading a book to a bunch of five-year-olds on the reading rug. You need to read, you can't start on page five, even if you know what's on it. They need to understand pages one through four. You turn right. the book around because they're five. But the whole reason you're doing it is so you can see the audience say, yeah, we all see the cow jumping over the moon on page three. So you <laughs> could go to the page with the dish running away with the spoon. If any of those kids are looking at you and don't get it, you're staying on that page until all of them get it. Right. And right. that's how to think about what the audience <laughs> sees versus what a business sees. So my yeah. elevator structure became the starting point, the crux of everything that I do. And I turned that into a product. I, I work with companies like coaches and consultants. So people just like me, for the most part, right, all the way up to uh, mainly, you know, small businesses and startups, but on a growth trajectory, who mm -hmm. are trying to pull all this together and imagine a technology company that builds that software as a service. 
They think in ones and zeros. They right. Are, <laughs> they don't think the way the audience is going to think in terms of a narrative. So translating it to the outside world becomes even harder. But every right. business has to be able to do it because the truth is every business starts with one question. What problem do I solve for my customer? Absolutely. Then they build it internally in a vacuum. Then they have the solution or service or product. And the first thing they want to come out is say, yep, we've got the solution to your problem. But everybody's doing that. It's not about research and watching trend searching and hot zones and like hot spots right, right. on search. It's about logic and human nature and common sense. That's what goes out the window when businesses are trying to th figure out how to communicate. And that's where I come in. Think of it as a, um, I'll leave you with this analogy. Let's go back to an author like Stephen King, writes yeah. that 400 page next bestseller. <laughs> Now it comes time to write the three paragraphs that go on the inside flap and on Amazon that sell the book, right. the blurb, and the he blurb. can't do it. He can't do it because he knows everything in those 400 pages, emotional state, air temperature, right, you right. name it. It's hard to be objective. He can't get to the three paragraphs <laughs> that are going to make sense to the people who haven't read the book and get them excited about it. So all he does is gives the book to someone else to read. And they write the blurb. And even the way they write it is structured like Stephen King's got a new book out. Where do you read it? It's about this. The ending is going to blow you away. Buy it now. That's like a fan writing about a movie. Right. <laughs> that's, that's an example of the kind of perspective that's needed for the business world and what I aim to provide. That's amazing. That's awesome. Awesome. I love it. This has been such such great information and and absolutely you're right. I mean, these are stuff that I had to learn slowly and little bits and pieces over time. And then I still am learning from you so much. And this has been such a, a, a great interview. I've learned so much from you today, even though I had a call with you before in December. <laughs> Well, even so, the things that I say now are probably different than they were in, in probably December, yeah yeah I've heard a lot. <laughs> reason being, that's part of the the entrepreneur yeah. stuff. Trying Journey. to start something on your own. Here's the truth: is you know what you know and nothing else. And yeah. if I come into it saying I know an audience, that doesn't mean I know how to run and market and sell a business necessarily. We all need outside perspective once in a while, just right. because our knowledge base and what we can do to help is actually repressed and constricted by all the stuff we don't know how to do and we have to figure out and that is as far as i can tell for an entrepreneur that's the hardest part is how do you gain the knowledge and apply it right to your business and i feel like the you know since the pandemic started especially my business has really changed considerably how i do it and what i do the principles or the fundamentals of it are, are identical, but it's changed so much seeing what the market dictates and what right. people That's really true. need and even honing it, like calling it a pitch instead of a message, a pitch mm. everybody thinks of a message is too sort of ethereal, almost like, what's my <laughs> message? What do I stand for? But the second I start calling it a pitch, like an elevator pitch, right. people know exactly what that is and they're grounded right. in reality at that point. Little things like that change over time because we're always right. testing and learning in this business. Absolutely. It's a learning journey. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate so much you being here and telling your story with us. Is there any other last minute message you'd like to leave our audience with? The only thing I can think of is going back to that idea of first, best and different or different, I should say. 
those are the things that we're all excelling for because we know that that's what we would notice in the real world. And to rest on our laurels and hope that our services or a feature of our services is going to stand out isn't enough. It's about understanding how to be different. What is that catalyst for different that you build everything from? And that's where to start when you're trying to clarify how you even talk about what you do to the outside world. It's understanding their point of view and their perspective. Get their attention. Direct them through the information in the right order, the book, the way it's written and get them to act on their terms. Awesome. I love it. Great, Michael. Congratulations for your for having your business for the past five years and many, many, many more and for delivering excellent, excellent service to your clients. Uh, so please stick around uh, before we close. We'll, we'll wrap up as well. And, and to all our viewers and our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, please remember to subscribe, follow, like, and share our content here uh, on, on the, any of the platforms that you are watching or listening to us on. Uh, let's empower each other through our experiences. Until the next episode, have a wonderful and blessed rest of your week.